Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. So, our new season premieres on March 6th, and to celebrate, we're rewinding on some of our favorite stories from earlier seasons. This week, it's Black Cinderella from season two. In this story, Ian searches for a love that will make them the center of their own love story. Here's what happened. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Right in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. It was about 10th grade, and I had come out as bi, and I was cast in a community theater production of Les Miserables, as I think every young theater goer has been. So I was in the ensemble, and I, I remember the first day of rehearsal going and standing next to this young redheaded guy, and I was just like, oh, oh no, 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 you know, and I, and I was, I had my eyes on someone else, and so rehearsals kept on going on, and about in the spring, I don't remember what happened, I don't remember how it happened, but something in me just like clicked, and I was like, oh, so that one. I have a thing for redheads and I like it. Let's do this. So I remember like playing with his scarf and once again just hot to trot, ready to go all the time. And this person was Daniel. And so the larger kind of where my story starts is growing up in Birmingham, Alabama. I was adopted by a white family and raised by them. I'm black, mixed race. And I, from an early age, was showing signs of queerness and gender nonconformity and now have fully blossomed and developed into all of those many different things. And that was kind of my narrative. I'm growing up and living as I have as someone who is so obviously other than so obviously different. I think folks like us who like live and look and exist as I do often feel that we're kind of taught and inbred that you know that you're not worthy of love. It was diff- it was like it was just a guttural feeling of kind of walking around with this weight of I know that I love me and I know what I deserve and I don't understand why I can't get that back. I don't understand why I, that why that won't be returned. You know, we have such a great connection. And I think that, you know, I was I never really have had a great relationship with men, which is partly why I never, you know, came out because I, I I knew that I was physically attracted to men, but I was like I could never love a man. That's just not possible for me. So, yeah, it was just that it was just a, a constant questioning of is, is it about me? Is it about this person? Is it how can a connection between me and another man be so strong and yet not exist in that in that place of romance? Because I really had never, I didn't have male friends growing up. Men in my life really didn't treat me well. So I, I really had no barometer of understanding what intimacy between two men that was not sexual or romantic could be. And so I think that was kind of the thing that I still grapple with to this day of trying to understand, you know, how do I exist in a friendship with another male-identified person? So me and Daniel, formed a friendship that really like blossomed over the summer. Like we were spending all these weekends together at his house, playing video games, swimming in his pool, just hanging out and having a really wonderful time together. And I've never been very subtle when it comes to people I like or love, and I've never been good at kind of hiding that. It always just kind of was like, I've got to tell you right now. And so he knew he knew how I felt, but he and he was, to his credit, was really good about providing that space for me to express that. And then saying, you know, I'm just not interested. I love, I love you as a friend, but like, you know, that's where I want to keep it. And so I just kind of kept on expressing, you know, 
this is what I want, or this is what I'm going through in this moment of you know loving you and wanting you to love me back. And he was very good about allowing me that space. And when school went back in the fall, he actually got a boyfriend. And this boyfriend, there's so many stories to tell about this boyfriend that involve many instances of racism and just general like pushing me away and all kind of many complicated things that went into that dynamic of, you know, me being in love with Daniel, Daniel wanting to be my friend, but also wanting to be held accountable and, res and responsible for his partner. And so that went on for about two years of me, you know, desperately reaching out at times, falling in and out of love with him, trying to date other people, it not really working out. And, but always, you know, as soon as, if I saw his name, if I saw a picture of him, it always like went right back to square one. And it was, it was very complicated and Daniel's boyfriend was really negative towards me and it was just a mess. So for two years, I was just pining for this guy, waiting for him to finally see me. So the summer before my senior year, I got a scholarship to work with the Dance Theater of Harlem. And so I spent the summer in New York, my dream city. I was living the life. I was around all these beautiful black folks, just dancing and stretching and muscles for days. And I was like, I am good to go. So that experience was in such an incredible moment. And I came back and my mother was throwing me, you know, a birthday party slash a Ian is back in town party and Daniel came. And when he got there, he informed me that he was now single. And at the time, actually, I've moved on. I'd had, I'd had actually a bit of heartbreak right at the end of my time at DMC to Harlem. And so I was, you know, I was like, I'm good. I'm just here to be single and a senior. But he came to the party and we had a, and we had a brief moment. And I was just like, what's going on? And so we decided that we would spend the weekend, the weekend together to kind of reclaim our friendship. And like the first night I was going to spend at his house, the second night he would spend at mine, and the third it was going to be kind of a free-for-all. So the first night I go to his house and I've been there, you know, I've been there a million times, so it didn't really feel like anything new. I definitely could feel things starting to come up again and I was just like, push it down, push it down. You're just finally in a good place where you can be friends. And so we took his dog for a walk and we were just talking, walking, and there definitely was some energy going on. I was like, what is happening? Because, you know, for those past two years, there, there, there have been so many moments. I was like, oh, this is a moment, right? This is proof that beneath all of this, there are feelings for me. And, you know, and I got very accustomed to saying, throw that away, that's just you being hopeful. And so we went back to his apartment and dropped off the dog. And he, and he said, do you want to keep on walking? And I said, sure. And so we went, and so he, he lived in this apartment complex, and they had this beautiful man-made lake, and it had a fountain in the middle of it. And there was a full moon, and there was dew on the grass, and there was an archway, and it was some kind of like Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella moment, because I was like, oh, the moment is here, it's present, the setting, it was gorgeous. And so we go and sit down in the grass together in this dew grass, me and this, you know, redhead white boy. And we start talking about the past and our friendship and kind of everything that we've been through. And I'm getting pissed because I'm re reliving all of these moments and feeling like, you know, you threw me aside and I was such a good friend to you. And he apologized and we hugged. And then we kept on hugging. And then we kept on hugging. And it, like, you know, I did the slow pull away and then we kissed. That probably is the closest moment I've ever had to like leaving my body because it just was like, Everything in me was on fire and like alive and it, like my brain was racing. I was like, how is this happening? This is like something I've been waiting for for like way too long. And it's finally here. And you know, we're making out in our like teenage way. And it was such, the, it was such this incredible rush of emotions and I just kind of, and finally we looked up and realized that there was like far off someone watching us. And so we were like, okay, time to go. <laughs> so we ran back to his apartment, like holding hands, laughing and just like this very, 
southern decadence moment of young queer love. And we get into his room and I'm, you know, I'm just like, is this really happening? And I kiss him and he kisses me back and I'm just wrapped up in all these emotions. And I, I was like, I can't let this, this can't be just a fling, you know? This can't be just a fling for me. I've been waiting for this. You know how long I've been waiting for this. And so he's like, I want some time to think. And he had a, he had a journal where he would write, you know, thoughts and different things like that. And I was like, you write in that, you figure your shit out. I'm going to go wait out here, hang with your mom because we kick it. And so I hung out with her for a little bit. And then I went back in the room and he said, you should read this. And it was a list of things like, you know, you've secretly always wanted this. You know how you feel about him. Like all the, all the things that I believed, but couldn't believe that they were true. So we kind of came to, we came to a moment and he said, so it's, it's midnight, you know, what do you, what do you say? And I wear this clattering, which is an Irish traditional. If the heart faces outward, it means your heart is looking for someone. If it faces inward, it means your heart belongs to someone. It's basically Facebook on a ring. And he said, yes, I do want to be with you. And, so, and they made him turn the ring around for me and like had this beautiful moment and continued kissing throughout the night and went to sleep. And it was, I was in heaven. So we wake up the next day and we were going to an event at my high school. We go to this event and I'm, I'm sitting with him and there's some weird energy going on. I'm not really sure what's happening, but I'm like, you know what? It's all good. So we go and we sit and have lunch together. Is everything okay? What's going on with you? And he says, I made a mistake. I, I didn't mean anything that I said last night. I don't want to be with you. I said all that because I wanted something to happen between us. And I remember my heart, like my heart literally feeling it splinter. And I just was so confused and angry and didn't know what was going on. And I just was like, how can, how could you have done this to me? And, it, and it's so hard to kind of talk about to people because they're like, you guys kissed, you know, that's it. Like what, what could have happened? And I think that for me, it was realizing that that kiss was so much more than that. That was, you know, a moment of being seen, a moment of being validated, a moment of feeling that, you know, all that pain you went through of telling yourself that you're crazy or out of your mind, this isn't real, suddenly, had come to a point and I felt seen and I felt visible and I felt loved. So I broke ties with him. I was like, I will not see you. And I know that you're also not going to follow up because you're not great at following up and I can't do this anymore. So for the first time, probably in a very long time, I was very, very single. And I t tell that as part of my story because it's a moment of me realizing that love can hurt you. And I went through my fall semester, everything was going well. I was, you know, doing well in my classes, I was applying to colleges. And in the spring, I was asked by a director that I know in Fedor if I would choreograph a production at her local high school. So I went to my first day and met the, you know, it was, it was a group of all, you know, Latin, Latinx folks. And I met, met all of them, they were wonderful and I had, we had such a good time. And one of the students said to me, you know, there's someone I really want you to meet. I think you're really going to like like him. And I said, okay, girl, whatever, you know. So she hooked us up through Facebook, and his name was Collins. And we messaged each other on Facebook for a little bit, and there was there was a very quick connection. And so we were just like, let's, let's, so we went on a date. And we, he took me to Surin, which in Birmingham, in downtown Birmingham, is like a really, it's like the, a really fancy Asian restaurant. It's delicious food. So, it, so I was like, oh, I'm being taken to Surin. I'm just so fancy and wonderful, you know. And so we had dinner, and 
I I was just like, oh my goodness, this is a person, you know, this is a real person. And we were hardcore flirting, such obvious romantics, like had great conversations. And we got in this car and he was like, I want to take you somewhere. And I was like, okay, stranger, why not? Just take me somewhere. And so there's a place called Vulcan, Vulcan Park. And it's this big, it's on, it's on the top of a mountain. There's a big statue of this, the god Vulcan. And he has a bare ass. And it's always like the joke of Birmingham that, you know, like Vulcan is mooning all of Birmingham. And so we went to there and there's a trail on the outside um, that you can walk. And so he was like, you know, walk with me. And so we walked up and we stopped at this spot and it was this overlook of all of Birmingham. And it was beautiful. And it was this perfect moment of just like me and this new person. And we and we kissed and shared an amazing moment and like it was incredible. And then we got in the car and we're like, so we're boyfriends, right? And and, I, and we said of course. And, and so that relationship only lasted five months because I was going off to college. So I, I didn't think that I could do a long distance thing. But when I was with Collins, we shared so many moments of validation and shared so many moments of, of visibility. He saw me as both a femme, queer, and I wasn't quite as gender non-conforming expressive at that time, but I was, I was very other and very different. And he saw all of that and really saw it. He didn't kind of glaze over it. He didn't accept me in spite of. He celebrated me because of. And I'm so grateful that to wrap up my journey with, with him because it was with him that I learned that I'm not only worthy of love, but I am, that I am deserving of love. And a love that is reciprocated and a love that is kind and a love that is fulfilling and a love that is lasting. And I think that as, you know, as black folks in general, but especially as black folks who exist on the queer gender spectrum, we have to really claim space for ourselves to be the center of our own love stories. We have to say, you know, I am Brandy and I and I, my micro braids are beautiful and that's what makes me Cinderella and this little white hoe in Disney going to go somewhere else, you know, because that's not me. And I think that, that that's so important to center for, for queer black folks, to center ourselves in our own love stories for, you know, cis black women to center themselves in their own love stories. And when we do that, we can finally see how we deserve to be treated and how we deserve to be held because this world certainly is not gonna do it for us. Hey, it's Martina again. Did you know that You Had Me at Black is a 100% volunteer run? That's right. This show is a labor of love for our community. And our mission is big. We are here to reclaim the Black narrative. And after five seasons, 70 stories, and over half a million downloads, we've only barely scratched the surface. That's why we're launching a Patreon on Wednesday, March 13th to sustain and grow this show for seasons to come. You can learn more at youhadmeatblack.com slash build. Peace.